Chapter Five of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The breaking up of the ice. On entendit du côté de la mer un bruit épouvantable, comme si des torrents d'eau mêlés à des tonnerres eussent roulé du haut des montagnes. Tout le monde s'écria, voilà l'ouragan. Bernardin de Saint-Pierre. Though aged, he was so iron of limb, few of your youths could cope with him. Byron. Que j'aille à son secours, s'écria-t-il, ou que je meurs. Bernardin de Saint-Pierre. Les vents et les vagues sont toujours de côté de plus habiles nagères. Gibbon. The travellers merrily continued their journey. The day drew to a close, and they kept on for a time by starlight. At length the moon rose and shone far over the still bosom of the St. Lawrence. At the sight of her, Jules broke out into rhapsodies and cried, i feel myself inspired not by the waters of hippocrene which i have never tasted and which i trust i never shall taste but by the kindly juice of bacchus dearer than all the fountains in the world not even excepting the limpid wave of parnassus hail to thee fair moon hail to thee thou silvern lamp that lightest the steps of two men free as the children of our mighty forests two men but now escaped from the shackles of college how many times o moon has thy pale rays pierced to my lonely couch how many times have i longed to break my bonds and mingle with the joyous throngs at balls and routs while a harsh and inexorable decree condemned me to a sleep which i abhorred ah how many times o moon have i sighed to traverse mounted upon thy crescent at the risk of breaking my neck the regions thou wast illuminating in thy stately course even though it should take me to another hemisphere ah how many times ah how many times in thy life hast thou talked nonsense exclaimed archie but since frenzy is infectious listen now to a true poet and abase thyself proud spirit o moon thou of the threefold essence thou whom the poets of old invoked as artemis the huntress how sweet it must be to thee to forsake the dark realms of pluto and not less the forests wherein with thy baying pack thou raisest a din enough to deafen all the demons of canada how sweet it must be to thee o moon to journey now in tranquil dominance in stupendous silence the ethereal spaces of heaven repent of thy work i beseech thee restore the light of reason to this poor afflicted one my dearest friend who o phoebe patron of fools interrupted jules not for my friend have i any prayer to make thee thou art all guiltless of his infirmity for the mischief was done i say gentlemen exclaimed jose when you are done your conversation with my lady moon i don't know how you find so much to say to her 
would it please you to notice what a noise they are making in saint thomas yonder all listened intently it was the church bell pealing wildly it is the angelus exclaimed jules d'haberville oh yes exclaimed jose the angelus at eight o'clock in the evening then it's a fire said archie but we don't see any flames answered jose whatever it is let's make haste there is something unusual going on yonder driving as fast as they could half an hour later they entered the village of saint thomas all was silence the village appeared deserted only the dogs shut up in some of the houses were barking madly but for the noise of the curs they might have thought themselves transported into that city which we read of in the arabian nights whose inhabitants had all been turned into marble our travellers were on the point of entering the church the bell of which was still ringing when they noticed a light and heard shouts from the bank by the rapids near the manor-house thither they made their way at full speed it would take the pen of a cooper or a chateaubriand to paint the scene that met their eyes on the bank of south river captain marcheterre an old sailor of powerful frame was returning to the village toward dusk at a brisk pace when he heard out on the river a noise like some heavy body falling into the water and immediately afterward the groans and cries of some one appealing for help it was a rash habitant named dumay who thinking the ice yet sufficiently firm had ventured upon it with his team about a dozen rods southwest of the town the ice had split up so suddenly that his team vanished in the current the unhappy dumay a man of great activity had just succeeded in springing from the sled to a stronger piece of ice but the violence of the effort had proved disastrous catching his foot in a crevice he had snapped his leg at the ankle like a bit of glass marcheterre who knew the dangerous condition of the ice which was split in many places shouted to him not to stir and that he was going to bring him help he ran at once to the sexton telling him to ring the alarm while he was routing out the nearest neighbors in a moment all was bustle and confusion men ran hither and thither without accomplishing anything women and children began to cry dogs began to howl sounding every note of the canine gamut so that the captain whose experience pointed him out as the one to direct the rescue had great difficulty in making himself heard however under the directions of marcheterre some ran for ropes and boards while others stripped the fences and woodpiles of their cedar and birch bark to make torches the scene grew more and more animated and by the light of fifty torches shedding abroad their fitful glare the crowd spread along the river bank to the spot pointed out by the old sailor dumay waited patiently enough for the coming of help as soon as he could make himself heard he implored them to hurry for he was beginning to hear under the ice low grumbling sounds which seemed to come from far off toward the river's mouth there's not a moment to lose my friends exclaimed the old captain for that is a sign the ice is going to break up men less experienced than he wished immediately to thrust out upon the ice their planks and boards 
without waiting to tie them together but this he forbade for the ice was already full of cracks and moreover the ice cake which supported dumais was isolated having on one side the shattered surface where the horse had been engulfed and on the other a large air-hole which cut off all approach marcheterre who knew that the breaking up was not only inevitable but to be expected at any moment was unwilling to risk the life of so many people without taking every precaution that his experience could dictate some thereupon with hatchets began to notch the planks and boards some tied them together end to end some with the captain at their head dragged them out on the ice while others were pushing from the bank this improvised bridge was not more than fifty feet from the bank when the old sailor cried now boys let some strong active fellows follow me at a distance of ten feet from one another and let the rest keep pushing as before marcheterre was closely followed by his son a young man in the prime of life who knowing his father's boldness kept within reach in order to help him in case of need for lugubrious mutterings the ominous forerunners of a mighty cataclysm were making themselves heard beneath the ice but every one was at his post and every one doing his utmost those who broke through dragged themselves out by means of the floating bridge and once more on the solid ice resumed their efforts with renewed zeal two or three minutes more and dumais would be saved the two marcheterres the father ahead were within about a hundred feet of the wretched victim of his own imprudence when a subterranean thunder such as precedes a strong shock of earthquake seemed to run the whole length of south river this subterranean sound was at once followed by an explosion like the discharge of a great piece of artillery then rose a terrible cry the ice is going the ice is going save yourselves screamed the crowd on shore indeed the ice cakes were shivering on all sides under the pressure of the flood which was already invading the banks then followed dreadful confusion the ice cakes turned completely over climbed upon each other with a frightful grinding noise piled themselves to a great height then sank suddenly and disappeared beneath the waves the planks and boards were tossed about like cockle-shells in an ocean gale the ropes and chains threatened every moment to give away the spectators horror-stricken at the sight of their kinsfolk exposed to almost certain destruction kept crying save yourselves save yourselves it would have been indeed tempting providence to continue any longer the rash and unequal struggle with the flood marcheterre however who seemed rather inspired than daunted by the appalling spectacle ceased not to shout forward boys forward for god's sake this old sea-lion ever cool and unmoved when on the deck of his reeling ship and directing a manoeuvre on whose success the lives of all depended was just as calm in the face of a peril which froze the boldest hearts turning round he perceived that with the exception of his son and joncas one of his sailors the rest had all sought safety in a headlong flight oh you cowards you cowards he cried 
he was interrupted by his son who seeing him rushing to certain death seized him and threw him down on a plank where he held him some moments in spite of the old man's mighty struggles then followed a terrible conflict between father and son it was filial love against that sublime self-abnegation the love of humanity the old man by a tremendous effort succeeded in throwing himself off the plank and he and his son rolled on to the ice where the struggle was continued fiercely at this crisis joncas leaping from plank to plank from board to board came to the young man's assistance the spectators who from the shore lost nothing of the heart-rending scene in spite of the water already pursuing them made haste to draw in the ropes and the united efforts of a hundred brawny arms were successful in rescuing the three heroes scarcely indeed had they reached a place of safety when the great sheet of ice which had hitherto remained stationary in spite of the furious attacks of the enemy assailing it on all sides groaning and with a slow majesty of movement began its descent toward the falls all eyes were straightway fixed upon dumais he was a brave man many a time had he proved his courage upon the enemies of his country he had even faced the most hideous of deaths when bound to a post he was on the point of being burned alive by the iroquois which he would have been but for the timely aid of his friends the melicites now he was sitting on his precarious refuge calm and unmoved as a statue of death he made some signs toward the shore which the spectators understood as a last farewell to his friends then folding his arms or occasionally lifting them toward heaven he appeared to forget all earthly ties and to prepare himself for passing the dread limits which divide man from the eternal once safely ashore the captain displayed no more of his anger regaining his customary coolness he gave his orders calmly and precisely let us take our floating bridge said he and follow yonder sheet of ice down river what is the use cried some who appeared to have had experience the poor fellow is beyond the reach of help there's one chance yet one little chance of saving him said the old sailor giving ear to certain sounds which he heard far off to the southward and we must be ready for it the ice is on the point of breaking up in the saint nicolas which as you know is very rapid the violence of the flood at that point is likely to crowd the ice of south river over against our shore and what's more we shall have no reason to reproach ourselves it fell out as captain marcheterre predicted in a moment or two there was a mighty report like a peal of thunder and the saint nicolas bursting madly from its fetters hurled itself upon the flank of the vast procession of ice floes which having hitherto encountered no obstacle were pursuing their triumphant way to the st lawrence it seemed for a moment that the fierce and swift attack the sudden thrust was going to pile the greater part of the ice cakes upon the other shore as the captain hoped the change it wrought was but momentary for the channel getting choked there was an abrupt halt and the ice cakes piling one upon another took the shape of a lofty rampart 
checked by this obstacle the waves spread far beyond both shores and flooded the greater part of the village this sudden deluge driving the spectators from the banks destroyed the last hope of poor dumais the struggle was long and obstinate between the angry element and the obstacle which blocked its course but at length the great lake ceaselessly fed by the main river and the tributaries rose to the top of the dam whose foundations it was at the same time eating away from beneath the barrier unable to resist the stupendous weight burst with a roar that shook both banks as south river widened suddenly below its junction with the saint nicolas the unchained mass darted downstream like an arrow and its course was unimpeded to the cataract dumais had resigned himself to his fate calm amid the tumult his hands crossed upon his breast his eyes lifted heavenward he seemed absorbed in contemplation the spectators crowded toward the cataract to see the end of the tragedy numbers roused by the alarm bell had gathered on the other shore and had supplied themselves with torches by stripping off the bark from the cedar rails the dreadful scene was lighted as if for a festival one could see in the distance the long imposing structure of the manor house to the southwest of the river it was built on the top of a knoll overlooking the basin and ran parallel to the falls about a hundred feet from the manor house rose the roof of a sawmill the sluice of which was connected with the fall itself two hundred feet from the mill upon the crest of the fall were sharply outlined the remnants of a little island upon which for ages the spring floods had spent their fury shorn of its former size for it had once been a peninsula the islet was now not more than twelve feet square of all the trees that had once adorned the spot there remained but a single cedar this veteran which for so many years had braved the fury of the equinoxes and the ice floods of south river had half given way before the relentless assaults its crown hung sadly over the abyss in which it threatened soon to disappear several hundred feet from this islet stood a grist mill to the northwest of the fall owing to a curve in the shore the tremendous mass of ice which drawn by the fall was darting down the river with frightful speed crowded all into the channel between the islet and the flour mill the sluice of which was demolished in a moment then the ice cakes piling themselves against the timbers to the height of the roof ended by crushing the mill itself as if it had been a house of cards the ice having taken this direction the channel between the sawmill and the island was comparatively free the crowd kept running along the bank and watching with horrified interest the man whom nothing short of a miracle could save from a hideous death indeed up to within about thirty feet of the island dumais was being carried farther and farther from his only hope of rescue when an enormous ice cake dashing down with furious speed struck one corner of the piece on which he was sitting and diverted it violently from its course 
it wheeled upon the little island and came in contact with the ancient cedar the only barrier between dumais and the abyss the tree groaned under the shock its top broke off and vanished in the foam relieved of this weight the old tree recovered itself suddenly and made ready for one more struggle against the enemies it had so often conquered dumais thrown forward by the unexpected shock clasped the trunk of the cedar convulsively with both arms supporting himself on one leg he clung there desperately while the ice swayed and cracked and threatened every instant to drag him from his frail support nothing was lacking to the lurid and dreadful scene the hurrying torches on the shores threw a grim light on the ghastly features and staring eyes of the poor wretch thus hanging by a hair above the gulf of death unquestionably dumais was brave but in this position of unspeakable horror he lost his self-control marcheterre and his friends however still cherished a hope of saving him descrying on the shore near the sawmill two great pieces of squared timber they dragged these to a rock which projected into the river about two hundred feet above the fall to each of these timbers they attached a cable and launched them forth in hopes that the current would carry them upon the island vain attempt they could not thrust them far enough out into the stream and the timbers anchored as it were by the weight of the chains kept swaying midway between shore and island it seemed impossible to add to the awful sublimity of the picture but on the shore was being enacted a most impressive scene it was religion preparing the christian to appear before the dread tribunal it was religion supporting him to endure the final agony the parish priest who had been at a sick-bed was now upon the scene he was a tall old man of ninety the burden of years had not availed to bend this modern nestor who had baptized and married all his parishioners and had buried three generations of them his long hair white as snow and tossed by the night wind made him look like a prophet of old he stood erect on the shore his hands stretched out to the miserable dumais he loved him he had christened him he had prepared him for that significant rite of the catholic church which seems suddenly to touch a child's nature with something of the angelic he loved him also as the husband of an orphan girl whom the old priest had brought up he loved him for the sake of his two little ones who were the joy of his old age standing there on the shore like the angel of pity he not only administered the consolations of his sacred office but spoke to him tender words of love he promised him that the seigneur would never let his family come to want finally seeing the tree yield more and more before every shock he cried in a loud voice broken with sobs my son make me the act of contrition and i will give you absolution a moment later in a voice that rang clear above the roaring of the flood and of the cataract the old priest pronounced these words my son in the name of god the father in the name of jesus christ his son by whose authority i speak in the name of the holy ghost 
your sins are forgiven you amen and all the people sobbed amen then nature reasserted herself and the old man's voice was choked with tears again he regained his self-control and cried kneel brethren while i say the prayers for the dying once more the old priest's voice soared above the tumult as he cried blessed soul we dismiss you from the body in the name of god the father almighty who created you in the name of jesus christ who suffered for you in the name of the holy ghost in whom you were regenerate and born again in the name of the angels and the archangels in the name of the thrones and the dominions in the name of the cherubim and seraphim in the name of the patriarchs and prophets in the name of the blessed monks and nuns and all the saints of god the peace of god be with you this day and your dwelling forever in sion through jesus christ our lord amen and all the people wailed amen a death-like silence fell upon the scene when suddenly shrieks were heard in the rear of the crowd and a woman in disordered garments her hair streaming out behind her carrying a child in her arms and dragging another at her side pushed her way wildly to the river's edge it was the wife of dumais dwelling about a mile and a half from the village she had heard the alarm bell but being alone with her children whom she could not leave she had resigned herself as best she could till her husband should return and tell her the cause of the excitement the woman when she saw her husband thus hanging on the lip of the fall uttered but one cry a cry so terrible that it pierced every heart and sank in a merciful unconsciousness she was carried to the manor-house where every care was lavished upon her by madame de beaumont and her family as for dumais at the sight of his wife and children a hoarse scream inarticulate and like the voice of a wounded beast forced its way from his lips and made all that heard it shudder then he appeared to fall into a kind of stupor at the very moment when the old priest was administering the absolution our travellers arrived upon the scene jules thrust through the crowd and took his place between the priest and his uncle de beaumont archie on the other hand pushed forward to the water's edge folded his arms took a rapid survey of the situation and calculated the chances of rescue after a moment's thought he bounded rather than ran toward the group surrounding marcheterre he began to strip off his clothes and to give directions at the same time his words were few and to the point captain i am like a fish in the water there is no danger for me but for the poor fellow yonder in case i should strike that block of ice too hard and dash it from its place stop me about a dozen feet above the island that i may calculate the distance better and break the shock your own judgment will tell you what else to do now for a strong rope but as light as possible and a good sailor's knot while the old captain was fastening the rope under his arms he attached another rope to his body taking the coil in his right hand thus equipped he sprang into the river where he disappeared for an instant but when he came to the surface the current bore him rapidly toward the shore 
he made the mightiest efforts to gain the island but without succeeding seeing which marsh terre made all haste to draw him back to land before his strength was exhausted the moment he was on shore he made his way to the jutting rock the spectators scarcely breathed when they saw archie plunge into the flood every one knew of his giant strength his exploits as a swimmer during his vacation visits to the manor-house of beaumont the anxiety of the crowd therefore had been intense during the young man's superhuman efforts and on seeing his failure a cry of disappointment went up from every breast jules d'aberville was all unaware of his friend's heroic undertaking of an emotional and sympathetic nature he could not endure the heart-rending sight that met his view after one glance of measureless pity he had fixed his eyes on the ground and refused to raise them this human being suspended on the verge of the bellowing gulf this venerable priest administering from afar under the open heaven the sacrament of penance the anguished prayers the sublime invocation all seemed to him a dreadful dream absorbed in these conflicting emotions jules d'aberville had no idea of archie's efforts to save dumais he had heard the lamentations which greeted the first fruitless effort and had attributed them to some little variation in the spectacle from which he withheld his gaze the bond between these two friends was no ordinary tie it was the love between a david and a jonathan passing the love of woman jules indeed spared archie none of his ridicule but the privilege of tormenting was one which he would permit no other to share unlucky would he be who should affront lochiel in the presence of the impetuous young frenchman whence arose this passionate affection the young men had apparently little in common lochiel was somewhat cold in demeanor while jules was exuberantly demonstrative they resembled one another however in one point of profoundest importance they were both high-hearted and generous to the last degree jose who had been watching lochiel's every movement and who well knew the extravagance of jules devotion had slipped behind his young master and stood ready to restrain by force if necessary this fiery and indomitable spirit the anxiety of the spectators became almost unendurable over archie's second attempt to save dumais whom they regarded as utterly beyond hope the convulsive trembling of the unhappy man showed that his strength was rapidly ebbing nothing but the old priest's prayers broke the deathly silence as for lochiel his failure had but strengthened him in his heroic purpose he saw clearly that the effort was likely to cost him his life the rope his only safety might well break when charged with a double burden and doubly exposed to the torrent's force too skilful a swimmer was he not to realize the peril of endeavoring to rescue one who could in no way help himself preserving his coolness however he merely said to marcheterre we must change our tactics it is this coil of rope in my right hand which has hampered me from first to last thereupon he enlarged the loop 
which he passed over his right shoulder and under his left armpit in order to leave both arms free this done he made a bound like that of a tiger and disappearing beneath the waves which bore him downward at a lightning speed he did not come to the surface until within about a dozen feet of the island where according to agreement marcheterre checked his course this movement appeared likely to prove fatal for losing his balance he was so turned over that his head remained under the waves while the rest of his body was held horizontally on the surface of the current happily his coolness did not desert him in this crisis so great was his confidence in the old sailor the latter promptly let out two more coils of rope with a jerky movement and lochiel employing one of those devices which are known to skilful swimmers drew his heels suddenly up to his hips thrust them out perpendicularly with all his strength beat the water violently on one side with his hands and so regained his balance then thrusting forward his right shoulder to protect his breast from a shock which might be as fatal to himself as to dumais he was swept upon the island in a flash dumais in spite of his apparent stupor had lost nothing of what was passing a ray of hope had struggled through his despair at sight of lochiel's tremendous leap from the summit of the rock scarcely had the latter indeed reached the edge of the ice where he clung with one hand while loosening with the other the coil of rope than dumais dropping his hold on the cedar took such a leap upon his one uninjured leg that he fell into archie's very arms the torrent at once rose upon the ice which borne down by the double weight reared like an angry horse the towering mass pushed irresistibly by the torrent fell upon the cedar and the old tree after a vain resistance sank into the abyss dragging with it in its fall a large portion of the domain over which it had held sway for centuries mighty was the shout that went up from both banks of south river a shout of triumph from the more distant spectators a heart-rending cry of anguish from those nearer the stage whereon this drama of life and death was playing itself out indeed all had disappeared as if the wand of a mighty enchanter had been waved over scene and actors from bank to bank in all its breadth the cataract displayed nothing but a line of gigantic waves falling with a sound of thunder and a curtain of pale foam waving to the summit of its crest jules d'aberville had not recognized his friend till the moment when for the second time he plunged into the waves having often witnessed his exploits as a swimmer and knowing his tremendous strength jules had manifested at first merely a bewildered astonishment but when he saw his friend disappear beneath the torrent he uttered such a mad cry as comes from the heart of a mother at sight of the mangled body of an only son wild with grief he was on the point of springing into the river when he felt himself imprisoned by the iron arms of josse prayers threats cries of rage and despair blows and bites all were utterly wasted on the faithful josse there there my dear master jules said josse strike me bite me if that's any comfort to you but for god's sake be calm you'll see your friend again all right enough 
you know he dives like a porpoise and one never knows when he is going to come up again when once he goes under water be calm my dear little master jules you wouldn't want to be the death of poor chausset who loves you so and who has so often carried you in his arms your father sent me to bring you from quebec i am answerable for you body and soul and it won't be my fault if i don't hand you over to him safe and sound otherwise you see master jules why just a little bullet through old jose's head but hold on there's the captain hauling in the rope with all his might and you may be sure master archie is on the other end of it and lively as ever it was as jose said marcheterre and his companions in furious haste were running down the shore and by mighty armfuls dragging in the rope at the end of which they felt a double burden in another moment the weight was dragged ashore it was all that they could do to set lochiel free from the convulsive clasp of dumais who gave no other sign of life archie on the other hand when delivered from the embrace which was strangling him vomited a few mouthfuls of water breathed hoarsely and exclaimed he is not dead it is nothing more than a swoon he was lively enough a minute ago dumais was carried in all haste to the manor-house where everything that the most loving care could suggest was done for him at the end of a half-hour some drops of wholesome moisture gathered upon his brow and a little later he reopened haggard eyes after staring wildly about the room for a time he at length fixed his regard upon the old priest the latter placed his ear to dumais's lips and the first words he gathered were my wife my children mr archie be at ease my dear dumais said the old man your wife has recovered from her swoon but as she believes you to be dead i must be careful how i tell her of your deliverance lest i kill her with joy as soon as prudent i will bring her to you meanwhile here is mr de lochiel to whom through god you owe your life at the sight of his deliverer whom he had not yet recognized among the attendants who crowded about him a change came over the sick man he embraced archie he pressed his lips to his cheek and a flood of tears broke from his eyes how can i ever repay you said he for all you have done for me for my poor wife and for my children by getting well again as soon as possible answered lochiel gaily the seigneur has sent a messenger post-haste to quebec to fetch the most skilful surgeon and another to place relays of horses along the whole route so that by midday to-morrow at the latest your leg will be so well set that within two months you will be able again to carry the musket against your old enemies the iroquois when the old priest entered the room whither they had taken his adopted daughter the latter was sitting up in bed holding her youngest child in her arms while the other slept at her feet pale as death cold and unresponsive to all that was said by madame de beaumont and the other women she kept repeating incessantly my husband my poor husband i shall not even be allowed to kiss the dead body of my husband the father of my children 
when she saw the old priest she stretched out her arms to him and cried is it you my father you who have been so kind to me since childhood is it you who can have a heart to come and tell me all is over no i know your love too well you cannot bring such a message speak i implore you you whose lips can utter nothing but good your husband said the old man will receive christian burial he is dead then cried the unhappy woman and for the first time she burst into tears this was the reaction which the old priest looked for my daughter said he but a moment ago you were praying as a peculiar favor that you might be permitted once more to embrace the body of your husband and god has heard your petition trust in him for the mighty hand which has plucked your husband out of the abyss is able also to give him back to life the young woman answered with a fresh storm of sobs he is the same all-merciful god went on the old priest who said to lazarus in the tomb friend i say unto you arise all hope is not yet lost for your husband in his present state of suffering the poor woman who had hitherto listened to her old friend without understanding him seemed suddenly to awaken as from a horrible nightmare and clasping her sleeping children in her arms she sprang to the door on the meeting between dumais and his family we will not intrude now let us go to supper said the seigneur to his venerable friend we all need it but more especially this heroic young man added he bringing archie forward gently gently my dear sir said the old priest we have first a more pressing duty to fulfil we have to thank god who has so manifested his favour this night all present fell on their knees and the old priest in a short but touching prayer rendered thanks to him who commands the sea in its fury who holds his creatures in the hollow of his hand End of chapter five